0: Thank you. My name's John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, I'm going to be interviewing my father, Charles Redmond, who's the senior pastor of our church, and he has been now for almost 28 years. And, Dad, I want to thank you for joining us in the studio today and for uh, giving us a little bit of your time. For those of you who've been listening to our last few programs, you know that uh, in November of this year, my parents are celebrating their 50th anniversary in the ministry. They surrender their life to the Lord and... Uh, began their ministry 50 years ago this month, and so I really had invited my dad. I said, Dad, could we just do one program, and you could share some things that you've learned through all these years? And he said, well, I'd be glad to help you out on that. Well, this is our fourth program, and I've promised that this will be our last. I just keep asking him questions, and he's kind enough to answer them. But, Dad, thanks for joining us today, and I think as we begin today, I think it would be interesting as you think about 50 years of pastoring a church or working on a church staff, uh, I realize that we'll have a lot of ministers and pastors listening to this program. I have a lot of people who are not in the full-time Christian ministry. We have teachers and coaches and housewives and other people listening today. But one thing I would be interesting and interested in hearing you comment on is the subject of criticism. And I guess maybe the way to get that going. have you have you encountered any criticism during these fifty years? have you ever have well, you ever come up against that? Well, not
1: to my knowledge. <laughs> well, before I get into that, you know, you made a good statement. there there would be some ministers listening to this, but there'd be many people today listening to our program that are not ministers. But I think that what we share today will help non-ministers, good church people, know things that their pastor is going through and goes through, and would better know how to pray for their pastor mm-hmm. to encourage their pastor because actually until I became a minister, I never even imagined that my pastors ever dealt with criticism. That just was never on my radar screen. And uh, so what I'm saying is for all those years, and I was 27 years of age when I became a minister, So for all those years, uh, I never even thought to pray for my pastor, encourage my pastor about dealing with criticism. Now that gets us to your question, have I ever experienced criticism? Well, uh, you know, anybody in any leadership position, whether it be a pastor or in the secular world makes no difference, a political world makes no difference, all leaders are going to have criticism. That's just the way of life. And a person needs to understand that and somehow be able to handle that. And different people handle it different ways. I've often thought the President of the United States, whoever that person is, you know, how they deal with all the negativity of things that are said about them uh, unless they would know how to handle that, I, I think they would just uh, jump off a cliff or right. do something. So, right. you know, the ministry is no different. Uh, and I think sometimes that if a minister does not understand that that's just part of the job, uh, they'll be very, very disillusioned.
0: Can can could you share with us today, maybe the first time, and, and so our listeners will know this is a. A, uh, not only a live, but a somewhat free-spirited interview that we're doing here today. We don't have, like, all the questions written out that I'm at. I'm just thinking, as I'm hearing him talk, things are coming to my mind. Dad, can you think of the first time when you as a pastor encountered any criticism?
1: Yes. Uh, in fact, was I was listening to you that question, I thought, when was my first criticism? Well, in my first little church— I shared back on a previous Sunday that when God called me into the ministry, I had to get out of the business world, go back to the university, and finish my college and university work before I go to seminary. And during that three-year period of time, a little wonderful uh, rural country church in Georgia called me to be their pastor. Actually, they invited us just to come fill the pulpit one Sunday, and then at the end of that Sunday night, they said, look, could you just maybe come back and preach for us next Sunday? We're trying to find a a, a a pastor. And I said, well, be glad to. And we did that two or three Sundays. And one Sunday night, they said, hey, we want to meet with you after church tonight. And there was just three people on that little pulpit committee. And they, they said, look, uh, we'd like to talk to you about being the pastor of our church. And I said, oh, my gracious, I couldn't do that. I said, first of all, I'm in school. And in three years, I'm going to be going to seminary. I'll be leaving, and I don't have very much time to do anything. And I never will forget one of those men said, John. He said, well, we don't want to really do much. We just really need somebody to come preach to us on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And then if there's a death, to have a funeral, etc." So long story short, I did. I went to be the pastor of that church. It's one of the best things that have happened to me, uh, and I learned so very much in those three years in that little church. But in that church. Is where I received my first criticism, and what it was, I don't think I've ever told you this. I can still I remember the man that criticized me for it. Uh, I back then you didn't heat buildings like they do now. You just had a thermostat in the in the in the sanctuary, just like we have like in our homes. And I thought one morning when I went over to check the church before the people be coming, I thought it was a little too hot, and I changed that thermostat. And I later learned that that was a sacred cow. Only one man in that church could touch that thermostat. And so my first criticism was changing the temperature in the worship center. And to be honest, John, that man never did quite get over that with me. He never did. uh, He just felt like I had invaded his territory. And that really upset me. I mean, I, there I was young in the ministry and trying to learn what to do, and a man's kind of mad with me about the thermostat. But anyway, that <laughs> how was how ha-
0: How'd you handle that?
1: Well, I just—I don't really know how I handled it. has been so long ago. Uh, I, I just pressed on, and, and um, it never was mentioned again. But always when I was around that man, I could sense that inside of him— he he really had not forgotten that I moved his thermostat. <laughs> well, Dad, let's fast forward from that
0: experience in the uh, country church there in Georgia to uh, your early days in Pasadena. Uh, you had not been here very long when you uh, felt like the Lord was leading our church to buy some additional property that would uh, that our church would use to 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 build some buildings and eventually uh, maybe relocate out here. But during those days, and I am I do have clear memories of some of those, of those times, uh, there was some criticism as far as people that were against that. And not only people were, I think there were some people who, there were a lot of people who didn't think that was the right thing to do, who were sincere, kind, loving people. There were some other people, though, who kind of used that uh, to, to just really go after you hard. Would you have anything you would even want to say about about that season?
1: Well, first, you just skipped over my second and third church, as though I never had any more criticism. (laughs) Now, there's a lesson in this. My first little church, the criticism was about changing the thermostat, the sacred thermostat in the sanctuary that could only be changed by this one man. It was a little thing. Well, but... Then, uh, now my three years at Travis, I don't remember any. I'm sure I had some. But like I was the assistant pastor at Travis, right. and so the criticism was always really focused on the pastor more than right. the senior. You, you have that shelter here. There, I you know. do. <laughs> See, but when you become the senior pastor here, you'll understand that uh, it's not like what you think. <laughs> but in my church in, in Tennessee, after, after my seminary graduation, I, I was then a pastor again. And um, in that church, uh, I I went through uh, several times of criticism about numerous things. And uh, in fact, the man that was on a pulpit committee, that was really the responsible person for me ever going to that church, uh, became one of the most bitter enemies that I ever have had in my ministry and remains so. uh, even after I left the church. But years later, I want to quickly say I was back in that city, and that man has sent word he wanted to see me. He was sick and wasn't able to get out then. And I went, and he asked forgiveness. And so we settled that, and that's all was handled. But, but I say that to say this. I really believe, looking back, that that thermostat criticism that I received in my little country church was a preparation for what was coming, Because in my Tennessee church, uh, you know, I had to deal with criticism there, too. And it was a little more difficult than the thermostat criticism. Then I leave there and go to First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs. Again, a wonderful church. But, you know, I had uh, my—I had my— uh, criticism there too you know you didn't do everything the way they want it done and i i you know i could tell you story after story uh that none of them would give god much glory and i handled them some better than others but but there again uh the criticism of things there i was in a building program there and that brought a lot of criticism but i look back on all that and god was getting me ready from the thermostat in my first little church to my Tennessee church, then my Sulphur Springs experience, and then I came to Pasadena.
0: And you talk about the thermostat—that's when the heat got turned up. Yeah,
1: it? yeah. <laughs> well, the relocation of the church, of course, relocating the church is probably one of the most, if not most, difficult things uh, any pastor will ever leave a church to do. And through that, I, I, I've my first uh, my first ten years here. Uh, there was. Uh, they, they were years of great criticism. But you know,
0: Dad, the Lord saw you oh. through that and brought so much good out of that. I, I, uh, I can remember one night when during all that was going on, we were having a business meeting in the church, and this man stood up, and of course we had just moved here, and uh, Joel and I were home for the summer. We didn't know anybody here very much. We knew a few people, but not very many people. And people were getting up saying all kind of things. And this one man stood up. He had a, a T-shirt on with a picture of Jesus on his T-shirt. And I thought, well, finally, he's going to say something nice. And he stood up and said, I just want everybody to know our new pastor is of the devil. Well, that upset me. And I looked over at Joel and I said, did he just say that dad's of the devil? And, and Joel looked over at me and said, yes, he did. But don't worry, we'll take care of him in the parking lot after the service. <laughs> so well, well, we didn't do anything, of course, thankfully. But I remember how angry that made me and how I thought, who is this guy to say something like that about my dad? And uh, I, like I say, we never did anything, but in, in, our, in my heart, I can't speak for Joel, but boy, it really bothered me. And, and I remember I let that make me bitter for a while and angry. And, and maybe that's something else we could touch on today is when, when we are criticized and we go through hard times and we don't always feel like maybe it's fair. How how do we keep from getting bitter, or what do we do if we have
1: become bitter? How can we deal with a bitter, unforgiving spirit? Well, before we go down that deep, that's a great question. You know, I wrote this little booklet, Where God Guides, God Provides, as a gift back to the church on one of my anniversaries. I gave this back to the church and to thank them for the wonderful years here. But in the little booklet, I I, I deal a little bit on, on, on how to deal with criticism, and I think this would be helpful no matter what you are in life, what you do. Uh, all of us from time to time experience criticism, and I just speak for myself. I don't enjoy criticism. I, I mean, you know, I I'm, that's just not my spirit. It's not my nature. I'm not trying to do things that would be upsetting to people, but you have to understand if you're serious about God— and you get a vision from God, and even you give the people time, many of those are not going to pray about it. They're going to be closed-minded. They're never going to consider maybe this might really be the will of God. You're just going to get some criticism. And if a person can't handle that in the ministry, it's going to be very difficult. So my first advice on criticism would be expect criticism, and evaluate the criticism. Some of it may be valid. I ask myself when I hear criticism or I get an anonymous letter or a bad email or whatever it may be, you know, uh, the flesh of me wants to you know, respond back. But I, the, the wise thing for me to do is say when I look, let, let me just, you know, ask, is there some validity? Maybe it's not said right. Maybe it's said in a very ugly way. But the issue being discussed, is there some validity to this issue? I try to ask that first. And then uh, if I respond to the criticism, uh, I want to certainly respond in a spirit of love and never try to defend myself. Now, John, I don't respond to much criticism. Unless I think the criticism is valid, if I've made some mistake or I've done something in an improper way or maybe not the best way, well, then I should respond to that. But just rank and file criticism, I've learned that when you respond to those things, you lose every single time. So I don't respond to very much criticism. Uh, But then I would encourage people, don't let criticism stop you from doing what is right. I think the devil— uses even church people to do a lot of damage. You know he does. I've seen it. And what it can do, it can stop the pastor or even stop the church from doing what's right because one or two or three people have some agenda of their own. So, you know, I have that old saying, I learned it from somebody, um, uh, right's not always easy, but right's always Right. And that's true, right? not always easy, but right is always right. Then I want to encourage you: don't hang around critical people. Now that's a great thing to learn. If you hang around critical people and put all that stuff in your ears, I'm telling you what, it's just it's not a good thing. I don't. I I try to avoid hanging around. Now you can't avoid critical people altogether; they're just out there. But I'm not going to go eat hamburgers for critical mm-hmm. people, I, not if I can help it. And and then. Um, view criticism as a test, and I really think that's very important. Is you know maybe maybe God's allowed this criticism to come along to to test you to show you that you need to grow more spiritually and 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 walk more in the spirit. So that would be my response and how to deal with criticism. And that
0: book that my dad's referencing is called. Um... Where God Guides, God Provides, and he did write that several years ago for our church. You can go on our website at peacebybelieving.org, that's peacebybelieving.org, and you'll find a tab that you can click called Spiritual Growth. And if you'll just scroll down, you'll find some booklets, and that is one of the booklets that you can find where God guides, God provides. And in this booklet, he shares the 10 greatest lessons that he has ever learned uh, in his life. And so you can just read that right there on your computer screen, and hopefully that'll be a blessing to you. And so as we think about how to handle criticism, Dad, the one thing I would be interested in, because I think this is an issue for all of us. Anytime I preach a sermon on unforgiveness or on bitterness. Boy, it just seems to always strike a nerve out there. What can we do to not be bitter? How can we prevent from becoming bitter in the first place? And what do we do if we've let a bitter spirit establish itself in our hearts?
1: Well, I I can only speak for myself. You know, I wish I could say I've just gotten to a point in my Christian life where no matter what happens or whatever's said, it, it doesn't bother me, but that's just not the truth. Um, Criticism and is a, is a very real thing. That old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not a true saying. Words can not only hurt, words can destroy. And people can say some very malicious things. They can say some very untrue things. They can say half the truth and not tell the other half of the deal. But, you know, and it can really make a person bitter. Now, you know, the Bible says as much as possible, uh, live at peace with everybody. And and first of all, there are some people that you just can't live at peace with. You you try, but, I mean, it's not possible. And so those people, I just you know, I make an effort and uh, do what I can. But uh, all I can really control is myself. I can't control other people. Like if someone dislikes me or likes me, either way, whatever. You know, I'm I'm glad they like me, and I wish they like me if they dislike me. But I can't control what other people do. And through the years, you know, I've. I've had church members that uh, were bitter about whatever, and they kind of held me responsible. If you're not careful, you let that make you bitter, and you're the loser in that. And so, you know, uh, uh, there's, an old, there's a saying that, I, that I've heard so many times. It says, when I give God all of me, I will love all the people that I see. That's a good old saying, and that's so true. I think the key is if I will just give God all of me, John, this takes us back to our quiet time. If every day we are filling our mind with the Word of God and we're spending our time in prayer and we're trying to you know, have a real uh, close relationship with God and we just do that day after day after day, I think it almost it won't prevent us from struggling sometimes with bitterness but it's almost like it shields us because the the focus of our life is more God than pleasing people you know that is so good and if if we're focusing
0: on the lord if our if our focus is in the right place we're not going to we're not going to struggle with bitterness as much and sometimes if we do we just have to forgive people unconditionally, like God has forgiven us, I think about all the things that God has forgiven me of and all the things that God has forgiven all of us of. And, you know, that really makes it easier for me to forgive somebody else, because how could I hold a grudge against somebody when God refuses to hold a grudge against me? And so, you know, just, just unforg- un- unconditional forgiveness as an act of the will, sometimes we might not feel like it, it might not be easy, But we just have to get down on our knees or in some other posture and say, Lord, here's what's happened. Here's what has been said. Here's what's been done. And, God, it's making me angry. It's making me bitter. And, Lord, I'm asking you, first of all, to forgive me for my bad attitude, and Lord, by an act of the will, I choose to forgive this person. I choose to release this person, and, and I don't want to be bitter anymore. i let that go.
1: You know, John, bitterness and anger, maybe they're cousins. Um, I think we need to see these things also as a test of where we are in our daily walk with God. When I realize I'm angry with someone or bitter towards someone— it, it just says to me, you know, you are not where you need to be in your walk with the Lord. And so, you know, I just ask God to help me because in my own strength, I can't conquer bitterness. I'm not sure anybody can. But the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit of God, in filling us and empowering us, we can have victory over bitterness. And it's, it's one of the greatest feelings in the world not to be bitter toward
0: You know, when you look at it from that perspective, when somebody, you know, maybe they are rude to us or uh, maybe they've done something or whatever, but you're really right. It's an opportunity to love that person unconditionally, just like God loves us. Now, Dad, as we look forward to the future, you're 76 years of age now, and we just pray God will give you many more years to, to serve him here on earth. What are some like as you look towards the next season of your life in ministry? What is you know what's the most important thing to you at this point?
1: What's the most important thing to me at this point? Right. Well, (laughs) it's to just keep serving the Lord, and uh, you know someone asked Doctor R.T. Kendall not long ago, and he wrote in one of his books. They came up and spoke to him and said, one of the things I like about you, I admire a man that's finishing well. And uh, I read that and thought about that, and and he responded to her in a polite way, but he said, I want you to understand, I'm not finished. Well, that's kind of the way I feel. You know, what is the future? Well, God knows the future, and uh, I just want to be faithful to serve the Lord today, and I want to keep getting a fresh vision from God. I feel like God's really doing that now. I'm so excited about the ministry in our church now that we're debt-free beyond these walls, and I'm very passionate about that. The flood's kind of come along, and it's gotten us beyond these walls in a little different way. But I have some exciting things that I'm looking forward to doing in the years ahead. Uh, I think we have to continue to make adjustments. I'm 76. Uh, There's some things that I can't do maybe as well, or can't as well as I maybe could when I was 36, but there are other things I can do better. And so what I want to do is to focus on, get a vision from God of what God would have me to do and how I can use my energy and my passion and the gifts he's given me as long as I can to serve him and to make a difference for him and to bless the people. Now, how long will that be? Well, you know what? I have not a clue. Uh, I, I can't find a verse in the Bible on retirement. I'm, I'm looking all through the concordance trying to find one. I just think that I don't think I'll ever retire. I may change some more. I'm making changes now. And, but I always, as long as I can, want to serve the Lord and, and be a blessing in His work.
0: Well, I know that's your heart, Dad. And, you know, my prayer is that God would enable you to finish well, that He would enable me to finish well, that He would enable all of our listeners today to finish the race of their lives well honoring jesus all the way to the end and dad i want to just say to you that it has been an honor for me to get to work with you here at first baptist for well over 22 years now you have been here almost 28 years and and uh, i've been with you for a lot of that time and i never thought that we would get to work together but it has been the joy of my life and a true honor and i just pray that god will give us many more years to serve him together For those of you listening today, we want to thank you for joining us. I would encourage you to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. That's peacebybelieving.org. We have some helpful resources. There are archived sermons that you can listen to. There are booklets that you can read. And then there's a place for you to contact us and tell us how we can pray for you. Tell us how the program has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. We would sure love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.